Hi, I'm Sarah. And I'm Megan. We're two moms with eight kids between us, from little to grown. We're in different areas of the country and in different stages of life. But we both know that motherhood's a lot easier when real moms share tips and encouragement. And remind you that it's really all going to be okay. We're not experts. We're parents who've been there. We're not perfect. We're real. Welcome to the Mom Hour. Hey, everyone, and welcome to episode 179 of the Mom Hour. I am Megan Francis here, as always, with Sarah Powers. How are you doing, Sarah? I'm great, Megan. How are you? I am good, and I'm excited about this topic because we are going to talk about something that I feel like, for me, is almost a cliche, but it's so fun to reminisce about, and that is how we were with our first baby versus all of the rest. All, and with us, that, that that's is a lot of others. That's a lot of others. That's six babies in our combined experience that were not first babies. Right. I love this topic. Um, yeah. Giving a shout out, my sister actually gave me a nudge and suggested this topic. And then we had fun brainstorming in our Patreon Facebook group with some input. I feel like a lot of our listeners are going from one to two or thinking yeah. about going from one to two. Um, but then you and I have like, the, like you said, the massive hindsight of first baby and then the many more. Yeah. And I want to point out that the cliche sometimes that we're like super uptight with the first baby and laid back after that is not always the case. And in some ways I became less uh, or more uptight with second and subsequent babies. Yes. And I think in some ways things just like, I think the way we put it this morning when we were talking about this is like, some things get better, some things get worse, some things get worse and we just get better at being proactive. Yeah. And then it also depends how you define better and worse. <laughs> Totally. Totally. It's all perspective. And I kind of picked, I picked 10 categories, so we're going to move pretty quickly. Um, But some of them are really, like, really superficial, like birthdays and birthday parties. And then others are much more like your confidence as a mom. And so I think we're going to have fun. Like, this is all over the map, and we're going to have a lot of fun. We are. I also want to point out, um, thank you to all of our Patreon members who, you know, gave us some feedback for this episode. And if you're a Patreon member, you could also be chatting with us privately and, and giving us feedback yeah. on future episodes as well. So we should throw a shout out to that at the um, in the show notes. Maybe Absolutely. Yep. We'll yep. link up. And, and it's just the basic Patreon support level gets you access to this Facebook group, which has just been really fun. It has been. All right. Um, okay. So first up, we're welcoming a new sponsor, and that is Infancy. So most new moms we know are pretty tuned into baby's development. But one area that's a little bit tricky when it comes to milestones is vision. Um, Turns out baby's eyesight goes through a ton of changes in the first year, but the signs of progress are less obvious than the big milestones that we think of, like rolling over or crawling. Yeah, I have to say, like, I didn't keep track of when they could actually see. Yeah. (laughs) They can't really when they're first born and then, you know, eventually Eventually. they they need to be able to. And I had no idea that the American Optometric Association recommends scheduling baby's first eye exam at six months of age. Um, It turns out that the earlier certain conditions are detected, the better chance they can be corrected. Infancy is a program from the AOA Foundation Optometry Cares. And get this, you can have your baby's eyes assessed by an optometrist for free with participating providers, no matter what your income or insurance coverage is. I think that's awesome. I had to yeah. take my first baby to an eye doctor when she was four months old because she had a pretty large birthmark on her eyelid that they wanted to make sure was not getting in the way of her regular eye development. It was one of those birthmarks that faded naturally after the first year. But in the meantime, it was pretty heavy on her eyelid. But I was so glad to have access to that specialist at the time just to make sure everything was okay. Yeah, that's really important. Well, infancy wants every mom to have that peace of mind. So head to www.infancy.org for more information and to find a participating infancy provider in your community. That's I-N-F-A-N-T-S-E-E, clever, huh? Dot org. Okay, Megan, we're going to talk about the first 
the but first then, uh, versus the rest. Okay. These, these poor first babies. I am one, and you are among the Not. rest. <laughs> I'm among the rest. I'm the t- I'm the caboose. Actually, um, for our new listeners who maybe don't know, let's just go real quick with um, just how many kids we have, and I don't yeah. know, like how old the oldest is, maybe. Yeah. So um, my oldest, Jacob, is 20. He'll be 21 next month, and then I have an 18 year old, um, Isaac. I have a 14 year old, William. I have a 12 year old. Owen and I have a nine-year-old Clara. Actually, Isaac is nineteen now. He just turned nineteen. I had to stop myself because I was like, oh "Is he eighteen anymore?" Well, it's your fall. It's your fall birthday season, so all it's the boys crazy. are changing. They're ages. all changing ages. Yes. So yeah. uh, I'm in the stretch where everybody's the same age for like seven months, and then there's a few birthdays. So mine are ten, eight, and five. I don't almost think about that. Um, so Allegra is ten and a half. Reed is eight and a half, and Violet is five. Will be six in January. Um, so we are again, looking major hindsight here. Um, but the first category is the simplest and that is pregnancy. So how is pregnancy different for you? And we'll move kind of quick. Um, yeah. the first time versus the rest. Well, my pregnancy was, first of all, I was 20 years old. So my yeah. pregnancy itself was very easy. Um, I want to give a shout out to our Patreon member, Jesse, who said first pregnancy, she just rolled with things. Didn't plan much and figured it would all work out. Postpartum was really hard with lots of anxiety and very little support. Um, so the second time around, she planned a lot more support for postpartum and saved up money to take more time off work. Also, at the first sign of nursing trouble, she called a lactation consultant she had found prior to birth. So where I really identified with yeah. Jesse is that I did so much reading about pregnancy and birth. And so much of that you really can't like it's no there's no context until you've gone through it. So yeah. I remember reading, I read probably like 15 books on pregnancy, birth. Yeah. Um and really nerded out on it. And then once I felt what an actual labor contraction felt like, I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> so that's not what I thought. Um, so what I didn't do was really any reading or preparing for postpartum. Yeah. Like I just, I thought to me that was like something that was going to happen yeah. anyway and I didn't have to worry about it. Yeah. And so I really, the funny thing is I really could have prepared for that in some concrete ways. Um, like I could have gotten my hands on a halfway decent breast pump. Right. Um, I could have not brought my pre-pregnancy jeans to wear home from the hospital. <laughs> what was I thinking? I just didn't, I had no idea. So it's, it's funny. I could have planned for a lot more support. I could have planned yeah. to not have family members visiting two days after the baby was born. So I just think it's funny how like I put so much emphasis on the pregnancy and birth part yeah. and like so little on the other part. Well, I think it's a great, I think you can almost sum this up with you over prepare for certain things and under prepare for others. So yes. um, our listener, Laura talked about how the nursery was set up months in advance with her first and with her second, she knew that the first two months after he was born, he was going to be in the bassinet or in the bed with her and didn't even bother with the nursery. The nursery, they set it up as a guest room so that they yeah. could have family stay in the house and help. That's so genius. That is such like a second time mom, like, you know, to heck with the nursery. I'm going to make sure that I have a place for the helpers to sleep so that I can get help. I love that. I would say um, for me, a big one, I'm the same. I I read everything about pregnancy. When I was 32, almost 33 weeks, I found out I would be having a scheduled C-section and I didn't really do much preparation for that. I think I didn't know anybody who'd had C-sections. I just kind of went with what my doctor said. And um, so the second time around, I was much more proactive. I did have repeat C-sections, but I was much more proactive with my doctor about like how I wanted recovery to go, how I wanted the anesthesia. Like I just became a much better advocate for myself. And I think if you had, uh, no matter what kind of birth you had, 
like you said, once you've gone through it, you can know how you want it to go the next time, whether that's a C-section or a vaginal birth or home or whatever. So, yeah. And um, sometimes you don't, you don't, you almost can't know things sometimes until someone points it out to you. Like yeah. there are things that won't be found um, in a typical book or article that you might just like, oh, an example that would apply definitely to C-section moms, but, de- but any kind of birth is like keeping on top of your pain meds. I had no idea that mechanics behind why that's a thing. Yes. Until like my third baby. Yeah. Because I didn't realize that if you let it wear off, your body has to work like so much harder. Right. To kick it back in. I didn't know that. I thought if I could let it wear off and not be in, you know, terrible pain, I was doing pretty well. Right. So that's something I think someone mentioned to me like offhand when I had my third and I was like, wait, what? Yeah. And it changed my experience. Yeah. And another thing I thought of and somebody mentioned as well is um, marking the week by week progress. However you do that. Some people take like a weekly photo or you get the weekly emails about how big your baby is. I think with your first pregnancy, that's the only thing you have to really think about and focus on is the baby growing inside you. Whereas the, the subsequent times, number one, you already have a kid, which is totally right. different. Like you are already a mom. Um, and you also, it's just, it's less, maybe it's less special each week that it's the size of a rutabaga or whatever. Right. I mean, yeah. I know, I, I definitely know some people just lose track of like how many weeks or where they are. I never did that because I'm such like a, I'm such a chronological person in my brain that I always kind of knew how many weeks I was, but there's definitely less um, focus on every minute detail of the, of the baby's development because you kind of know what's happening and barring yeah. any concerns, you know, it's happening as it should. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's all a great point. I want to point out one more thing, just in case we have moms who maybe are still pregnant with their first um, or even still in the new, you know, new phases with their first, something that I suffered from a lot with my first baby and then got over with subsequent babies. Um, and, and they're very specific memory I have of this is having a really hard time nursing with uh, Jacob mm-hmm. and not wanting to call anyone for help, mm-hmm. like not wanting to call the number for La Leche League, not wanting to call the lactation consultant in the off hours because I had this weird feeling like I'd be bothering them. Oh yeah. And then I had a baby and I was like, wait, no, if someone signs up to be a lactation yeah. consultant or <laughs> La Leche League, you know, free volunteer, yeah. it's because they want to help you. Like yeah. they will take your call late at night. They, that's what they want to do. Yeah. Same with doulas and same yeah. with, uh, you know, any kind of person in, I want to say like birth work and new mom work. Like yeah. there, that is a calling. Yeah. You don't do that because you're getting paid well and have great hours. Yeah. I'm sorry to tell you, <laughs> you're doing that because you're willing to take calls late at night and and really help people because it's a passion of yours. And like I just and even other moms that you can lean on for stuff. Like I think I just underestimated how how much other people would want to help me and give yes. their advice. And I felt very sheepish about asking for it. Yes. I think that's so important. And that extends to everything like going out to a support group or going to try to make some new friends or going to stroller Asking your mom slides. if she has yes. an extra wipe when you're in a bathroom yes. in a public restaurant or, yes. you know, restroom and like, can't find a wipe. Like, I kind of feel like moms are wired to want to help each other. Yes, they are. And, but it, we, yeah. when you're in the fog, it feels yeah. like a bigger deal or something. Right. Yeah. Um, okay. I'm going to jump to a, a kind of fluffier topic and then we'll kind of vacillate back and forth. But okay. the, the next topic is pictures and videos and memory keeping. How was this different with the first and the rest? Okay. So I'm such like a cliche. <laughs> so cliched mom of many. Um, I have two or three completed baby books for Jacob and then like half of one for Isaac <laughs> and exactly zero for the other three. Like I didn't, I don't think I even bothered buying a baby book with any three, honestly, the other three, um, William got the raw end of the deal. 
because he was born in 2003. And so we were right on the cusp of switching from regular cameras to digital uh-huh. and cell phone cameras. And we were always a little bit ahead of the curve um, technologically. So mm-hmm. we had those things before a lot of other people did. But they were crappy. Yeah. Like we took really crappy pictures. And a lot of them, a lot of those pictures did not survive the move to a new phone or like the camera would break and we couldn't figure out how to get the pictures off of the, the off the little thing or whatever. Or the, you know, those teeny tiny little drives yeah. get lost. Um, Clara and Owen, on the other hand, uh, Owen was born in 2005. So his babyhood, not so much, but his early childhood and Clara's babyhood were documented, documented heavily online. So yeah. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, my blog, like there's tons of pictures of them out there and they're out there in the yeah. world. So I feel like William is in this weird middle spot where he kind of kind of got the run of the stick. <laughs> and yeah. he's so cute. Too. He is adorable. I do have at least I am glad that I do have some really good pictures of Will. I just don't have as many as I would yeah. like. I think if you think of like in 50 years, it's just the few that matter. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, you just want like a few good pictures of each kid at different ages. And now well, we have and- thousands. It's funny when I go back through Jacob's baby book, like to me, that's not my favorite thing to look at anyway. My favorite thing to look at is there's funny pictures of him and, you know, and I do have scrapbooks of all the kids. So I, that was a fun thing to do. I think it's more for the kid to have to look at, but like, I don't really care. Yeah. I'm not going to get his lock of hair out of the bag and play with it. Right. Oh my gosh. Okay. (laughs) So I will speak to baby books real quick because I have, first of all, my kids were born in 2008, 2010, and 2013. Digital photography was already here to stay, but I would say that things like digital scrapbooking and keeping everything in things like chat books or, you know, photo books digitally, that was still in transition and like the original baby books are still available. You can still buy them. I have one for each kid and only one of them is filled. And I have delusions that I will retroactively just do a few little baby book type things. I like the baby book. Um, like I do like the milestones and the first words. And we, in my family, we tell those stories over and over again. I feel like I have a pretty good grasp on those little, you know, first word and when did they crawl? And I have a, it's all in my head. I would like to get it out of my head. So that's a little less about pictures and more about the baby book thing. Um, With pictures, I actually think my youngest was the luckiest because I became a lot better at photography. Um, When Allegra was born, we had a regular digital camera that was fine, but I was terrible about using it. I just was a bad photographer. And then we had early cell phones, or early for us, cell phones in 2008, 2010. I got an iPhone, but then you know what happened is the filters of Instagram and like these other third-party apps. And for a while, do you remember, Megan, everyone was editing their photo, over-editing their photos. Yes, and everything looks weird. It, like you wanted that like vintage Polaroid look. And now yes. I look back and they look terrible. I mean, yeah. I still use apps <laughs> to edit my photos and I still use an Instagram filter, but I have such a better appreciation for just a well, a well shot photo without some crazy filter. So Reed's babyhood was right when Instagram and all of that was coming out. And I just, I filtered, oh, way over filtered. And they all look like these, they look like bad pictures from the seventies, but I did that to them on purpose. Kind of funny. So my youngest- I was looking, I was looking through my Instagram and the very, very first picture on my Instagram is actually three in a row. Cause I don't think I knew how to like be selective. I was just like (laughs) pumping everything out. And they were of Clara at at Christmas. She was maybe three and she looks like she's from the seventies. Yeah. And all three pictures. It's like the same picture three times, 70s. So, yeah, yeah. That, that was the thing. And I got a DSLR camera when I was pregnant with Violet, learned how to use it. The iPhone cameras kept getting better and better. And I kind of got into photography as a hobby. So my third kid has by far 
the best pictures. I mean, really good pictures because yeah. it was like a hobby of mine to get out the big camera. And then in the last couple iterations of the iPhone, the camera's gotten so good. So my picture, yeah. I have better pictures of my youngest than my oldest for sure. Yeah, I, I do as well. I want to, I want to um, give a shout out to what you said about, about like oral storytelling. Yeah. And I think that's something that in our family, I'm glad you brought that up because I think that's something in our family that's we're really good at. Yeah. We tell stories over and over, like nobody's childhood was forgotten. Right. Not any one of them. And that's something that I think is, it helps that there's many of them to keep telling the stories. But like, we all remember when every single one was a baby and we all have two or three stories about when each one was a baby that I love that. stands out. What we don't necessarily have, but what I also think is like less important maybe is some of those real specific milestones. Like I kind of remember when the boys all started walking, but it's a little foggy, but I have funny stories about them walking, yeah. you know? Yeah. I don't really remember necessarily all their first words, but I have really funny stories about yeah. early words yes. that each of them said, just not necessarily the first word. Yeah. I think we get caught up on stuff sometimes that in the end isn't really as important as yes. other things anyway. And sometimes you actually need hindsight to appreciate the firsts. Like yeah. um, when it's happening to you in real time, you don't have the forward thinking to see what it's going to become. That's why like I always tell mom to take videos of like two and three year olds talking yes. because it starts yes. to feel so normal. And then pretty soon they're six and they don't talk like that anymore. And you just want to bottle it up. So I don't yeah. care the quality of the video. I don't care if it's landscape or portrait. Just get those little voices. Well, I have captured. that video. Did I send you that video of me like laying on a bed? Yes, but we Clara. should share it again. Yes. I've so seen it's, it. It's me. I know. And I had just moved because the room that I'm in obviously is not the bedroom I wound up sleeping in. So I think we were like sleeping in Clara's bedroom while we were getting the other bedroom painted or something. Because obviously like I'm exhausted and I'm just laying on this bed. Covered in children. Covered in children. There's like boxes everywhere. And Owen and Will are jumping up and down, jumping up and down. Clara is climbing. I mean, she's like, you know, nine months old, maybe. And they're singing Kung Fu fighting. The boys like everybody was Kung Fu fighting and they're kicking each other. And then at one point they want to like they want to get Clara in on it. And I'm laying there and my voice. Is like, it's like the voice of someone who's just done. And I'm From like, the grave. no, no, don't, don't do that. What are you doing? And I, I'm monotone. Like I'm doing like the least amount I have to to like parent them sort yeah. of but their little voices are so cute I know and they'll never have those again no and it's I a know. terrible video but I love it anyway no yeah agreed agreed um okay so one listener comment from Tessa who has four kids so she knows of which she speaks um and she said she said I know that a lot of times the youngest gets the shaft in the way of the baby book but she, because she's the youngest herself She's trying to compensate, which I think we do that too. Um, so she's made sure that each of the kid has is equal in this way, like a, a completed baby book or whatever. She also says she likes to do those things. And that's another thing. Like we talk about on this show yeah. all the time. Like if that floats your boat to make scrapbooks and baby books, it's yep. going to be a lot easier for you to keep up with it. If you if that's not your style, it doesn't make you a bad mom. Right. Um, okay. So let's do another another category. And this is a kind of a big one, but let's talk food and feeding with the first baby. Yeah. Okay. So one thing that I think has emerged in my head as a pattern is with the first, I equated buying things to being prepared. Oh, that's such so, like an interesting like um, personality, like psychologically, I think. Yes. Well, I think that I, th and this was like, I remember going and registering for my birth, my first baby shower with John and we had like the little scanner gun, yep, you know? Mm -hmm. And I remember we just, we were just scanning everything. Yeah. We're like, we, we need all of these things. Yeah. All of it. Obviously it's in the store. 
So somebody has have, decided I need someone it. Someone has decided I need it. And so with my fr- with Jacob, before he was even born, I had I remember having boxes of rice cereal and jars of baby food purchased like before like there was he gonna, was born, like there was going to be an emergency, yeah. like a food emergency, like a fallout shelter situation. Yes, I think I just thought, you know, it was one of those things you should have in your house, you know, when you welcome a baby. So I yeah. had it before he was born. Um, I was also really excited to start solids because all the baby books said that you should. And they tell you, know, you the baby those, will sleep. Exactly. Right. Exactly. And and it just seemed like a fun milestone. Like mm-hmm. I remember looking forward to that first year of having a baby thinking it's all going to be like fun milestones the whole year. And that's, I think, how I had it mentally set up in my head. So I started solids with Jacob as soon as it was, it was okayed. And this was like 20 years ago, 21 years ago. And so I think at that time it was like four months was when you were. Mm-hmm. I think it changed from four months to six months yeah. around the time I started having babies. But even when yeah. I had a baby in 2008, lots of people still did four months. And I want to say I was getting pressure a lot earlier than that, mm-hmm. even from, from like the generation, from the generation before, because before that it had been recommended at like two weeks and then two <laughs> months. So I know I didn't go past four months. Um, and it went over like a lead balloon, whatever. <laughs> he didn't care about it. I had also bought like bottles and nipples, like in every possible shape and type, you know, like yep. every kind of bottle and nipple. You never know which kind. Yep. And the books will say that you don't know which kind the baby will take. Yeah. So you should just buy them all. Yeah. So the, by contrast between Jacob and Isaac, I don't think I bothered to give Isaac a bottle like I, maybe ever. Yeah. And if he did take a bottle, it was like when he was like a year old. Yeah. And I think he started solids like seven or eight months, six or seven, eight months, something like that. By the time we get to William, I didn't even bother with baby food. I just like squished up whatever on my plate was baby friendly. Yeah. And that's what he ate. So it's just kind of funny how like that was definitely something where I went from hyper to like whatever. Yes. Um, and I think we've talked a little bit about how now with baby led weaning kind of back in vogue and allergy recommendations being very different now than when we first yes. had babies. I just remember I remember thinking it was so complicated to start your baby on solids. Like I remember looking at charts and again, with my personality, I, I, if someone gives me a chart, I'm going to adhere to it. I have a hard time saying, okay, well that's a chart. I'm going to look at it and then do my own thing. That's really hard for me, especially with the first baby. So I just remember thinking, okay, sweet potatoes for three days, make sure there's no reaction. Okay. But the jar has been open for two days. So is it safe or do I have to open another jar? It was like, there were so many rules. Yeah. And, um, I think part of it is that the recommendations have changed. Um, the age, the, also the, when you start has changed. So I think with, um, I think it just progressed. I progressively got more laid back. I also, yeah. like you said, was so excited to start it in the beginning. And then I remember with Violet, we were on vacation when she turned right at six months And she was showing all other outward signs of being ready for some kind of solids. And I was like, no, like this is too much. I can't deal with the mess. Yeah. So much more. I mean, like, yes, the messy clothes The you have to have a bib all the time. Their diapers get gross. Yeah, it's it's overrated. And now much overrated. And now um, I, you know, I agree that just bite sized or or palatable sized squished up bits of food is so much so much easier yeah anything else about food and feeding as they got older like were you strict about sugar or certain things in a way with your first as they got older that you you know i know later? that I, i'm i'm not gonna say strict i was never strict i think i tried a little harder yeah to do things like make really healthy versions of snacks and yeah stuff when like jacob was little and then i just kind of realized that the stuff we were eating wasn't unhealthy to begin with yeah like, i don't like it's not like the alternative. What I started to get annoyed with 
It was this idea that we have to work so hard to make alternatives to stuff that kids don't even need to have in their yes. daily lives. Like they don't need to eat cookies every day. Yeah. So you don't have to work so hard to put spinach, to make yeah. healthy cookies. Yeah. Just give them something else that's not a cookie. Yes. <laughs> no, I. It started I really, to feel very like I don't know uh, manufactured, like yeah. that whole problem. Yeah, I really relate to that. I think um, I think a big thing is with your first, if you're not around older kids, and sometimes you are, if you've got cousins and things like that, but I didn't. So my oldest was only around kids her own age, which means we were all first-time moms, and we were all doing things like buying the Annie's fruit snacks instead of the Welch's fruit snacks or whatever. And it wasn't that it wasn't that I would have fainted in horror at a little bit of high fructose corn syrup. It was that everybody around me was doing the same thing, which is, you know, trying to go the extra mile and there weren't any older siblings. So then by the time your second child is 18 months, they've had lollipops. Like I, I literally, I think I remember Allegra's first lollipop and it was when she had to get two flu shots because it was the H1N1 or swine flu or something. It was a crazy flu scare. We had to go this long drive and get two different flu shots and she cried so hard. And I was like, okay, it's 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 time for her very first right. lollipop. I mean, my other babies had those little dum-dums from the doctor, like who knows when, but earlier than that. So I think yeah. some of it is exposure. You're just not exposed because you're in that new mom mode. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense, actually. Um, okay. I'm going to do one more, one more quickie before we take a break. And that is just anything, anything you have to say about adjusting to life, adjusting to life with this new baby the first time versus subsequent. Yeah. You got something to say? I want to hear what you have to say about this one. Yeah. Um, I think it was hardest the first time. I think other people will say maybe it depends on that. Maybe the age spread of your of your kids too. I, th- I know people who've had two babies really close together and they have a hard time the second time because it's like true overwhelm. Like now you've got a one-year-old and a newborn. But for me, adjusting to life from zero to one was harder than one to two or even two to three. And I think just because it's such an identity shift and everything is new. When I went from one to two, I was already a mom. Certain things got harder for sure because I had two babies, two kids, but there was so much that was familiar and that was helpful. I will say on the flip side of this, I think it took me longer each time to really feel like I had my feet underneath me. Um, Mm -hmm. So while the initial shock was biggest the first time, the amount of time it felt like I took to have my you know what together was longest the third time. And that was partly because I had a hard third pregnancy, a hard third baby. And I had three kids. So it just felt like, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm back on my feet, but it took me a long time to really be back on my feet, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it does. And I, I think I'm one of those people who in my mind, it feels like the first baby was an easier adjustment than the second because my second baby was really hard. But I think that was just hard in different ways. Like Mm -hmm. the overall life change was much harder with the first. Mm -hmm. But I remember being really prepared for that. Like, I okay. remember being, like, really dug in. Um, I had quit working, like, I don't know. I was temping. And I think I quit, like, four weeks before he was born. And I just mm-hmm. had a lot of time to just, like, let the reality sink in that. And I and I also, I didn't have a lot of other things going on. We had moved. And right. I was living um, far away from most of my family and friends. And right. I was just, like, this was it for me. Like, right. I was going to have a baby. Right. and And I was really kind of young and naive about stuff too. So it was just like a, it was a little bit of a different situation because I wasn't, I wasn't leaving a job I loved. I wasn't setting aside my identity as a grown woman because I really didn't have one yet. It was just like different. Yeah. I think the second and subsequent babies were physically a lot harder. Yeah. I think I worked a lot harder at those ones. Um, and I think I rolled the punches a little bit better in some ways, but it was hard and it was harder to get out of the house. I couldn't take them out the way I could take. Yeah. When it's just Jacob, you just, 
take your baby and you go. Yeah. And it was a lot harder to do that. So I think it's both. Yeah, I, I, I do, too. I remember I remember this conversation I had with this lady I lived nearby in Scottsdale, and I didn't know her that well, but she had three kids, and they were spaced exactly the same as mine, but she was, like, four years ahead of me. So when I had a newborn, a two-and-a-half, and a four-and-a-half-year-old, she had, like, a four, seven, and nine or something. And I remember her saying, you know, how's it going? And me just saying, like, yeah, it is hard. Like, this is no joke. I have three kids under yeah. five. And I, I said something like, you know, let me know when – when it gets easier. And she's like, well, I don't know yet. And my youngest is four. And I was like, oh my oh. God. What? Yeah. So yeah, there is that feeling of being in the weeds. I think last, it, for me, it lasted longer with each kid. But at the same yeah. time, I was getting more confident in other areas too. So yeah. Okay. Well, let's take a quick break. I'm going to welcome back our sponsor, HelloFresh. HelloFresh is a meal kit delivery service that shops, plans, and delivers step-by-step recipes and pre-measured ingredients so that all you have to do is cook it and eat it and enjoy it with your family. We love that. <laughs> we love it. Um, I get so excited on HelloFresh delivery weeks. They Me come <laughs> right to right to my door in recyclable insulated packaging, which I appreciate because two things we know about people in Southern California where I am, it's hot. So we need. I need to know that the meat is going to be kept cool. And we like to recycle. I have less guilt knowing that the packaging is recyclable. Each box is made up of fresh, responsibly obtained ingredients. And they're really careful to select farms and trusted sources where they get their meats and their produce. So you can feel good about that. It's great to get out of the recipe rut and start cooking outside of your comfort zone. I really appreciate the pictures, the pictured step-by-step instruction cards. And in fact, my kids like looking at them and they're like, ooh, what are we having? And I'm like, there's this big, beautiful picture right here. We're going to make it together right now. And when you have teenagers, you could just hand the whole thing off and they can right that yeah. is amazing so our favorite recently was the beef chili rellenos with poblano peppers and chipotle sauce it had this rice and beef mixture that even if the kids weren't into the peppers themselves the rice and meat mixture they all loved so it was a hit with the whole family and we're going to give you guys a total of 60 dollars off your first three boxes so 20 dollars off per box you're going to visit hellofresh.com slash mom hour 60 and use the promo code mom hour 60 so again, that's like receiving six meals free. You go to HelloFresh.com slash MomHour60 and enter MomHour60. Love it. I want to mention really quick that my friend Liz, who just had a baby, well, she didn't just have a baby. It's like her baby's like eight months old, third baby. But she used HelloFresh to get her husband to start cooking. I love that. And it worked. <laughs> Shout awesome. out to Lars and also Liz, who didn't have to make dinner that night. I love it. She got to do something else. Um, so I want to talk about simple contacts. Uh, I wear contacts, you guys. It is such a hassle to remember to make an appointment to get my prescription renewed when I get close to running out. Usually I forget until I have like three contacts in the bottom of my makeup bag. And then it's like an emergency. That happened recently when we were together. Yes. It did. It happened while we were on vacation um, or on our trip. Yeah. So I and my prescription doesn't really change anymore. So it's a huge hassle to have to make an appointment and then go in and pay a hundred bucks for an exam. And I know they're just going to keep it the same. So with simple contacts, this is so magical. They can actually check and verify your prescription using your phone or computer. It's magic in less than five minutes. The exam is just $20 and was designed by ophthalmologists. A licensed doctor will review your test to make sure your uh, vision hasn't changed. And if everything checks out, you can order from a huge selection of contact lenses right on their website. So probably the same brand you're already wearing anyway. They have all those brands and styles that you would expect to find anywhere. So it's important to remember that this isn't a replacement for your periodic full eye health exam. You still need to get those. Simple Contacts is only testing that your current prescription still helps you see 2020, and then it will renew that prescription. So make sure you're still seeing, uh, making a point to see your regular eye doctor in person. We're going to give you a deal, guys. Uh, $20 off your contacts. Just go to simplecontacts.com slash themomhour20. 
and enter the code themomhour20. Again, that's simplecontacts.com slash themomhour20 and enter the code themomhour20 to get $20 off your contacts. I love it. Okay. Back to our show. We're talking back to our show. Back to our regularly scheduled program. We're talking about the differences between the first baby versus the rest. Um, I'm going to skip around in our outline and go to a fun one that I think is different for everybody. And that is your mom life outside of baby. Because I think this is so unique to each Mm. personality. So how did this work for you? I'm talking about things like meeting up with friends or continuing your hobbies. Like I picture almost like a curve, like it gets better, it gets worse. So how'd that work for you? So this is something that gets harder as time, like got harder for me as time went on, but also that I became better at, Mm -hmm. which I think is an interesting thing about motherhood. It's, it's not that you get better at stuff because it becomes easier always. I think you, you figure it out and you come up with workarounds. Mm -hmm. So we all know it's easier to take a single baby out than a cart like three kids under six to the coffee shop. So right. it's not like during the day I was having leisurely brunches with friends. Right. Um, my memory is that I wound up spending a lot more time at home in general. The more kids I added, probably starting with number two. I think I, I put up a valiant effort. Yeah, we, often we with, do. <laughs> with number two to still get out and stuff. And then I was like, why am I doing this to myself? Yeah. Um, but I became at the same time more intentional about taking advantage of opportunities to get out without kids. Mm-hmm. And I also just kind of dug in my home on my home life. Like I got really good at making better use of the time I had at home. Mm-hmm. Um, I launched my career when I was just about to have William and it really took off when William was an infant. I found ways to work on projects I felt really passionate about. I found ways to just love being in my home mm-hmm. and inviting people into my home. Mm-hmm. I and I, I also had like a three, four, five year period there where our house was like party central and people would come and bring their kids. And like, we just basically had this almost open door policy where yeah. you could bring your kid and hang out with us. And we had so much fun during that time. Like, so, and there were just like piles of children everywhere, but everybody was in the same boat and we all had a lot of fun. So I think a, my idea of what it means to have a mom life outside a baby changed mm-hmm. and I became more intentional. Yeah. And something I observe about you is you are really good about, I mean, you're an extrovert, you have, you're surrounded by family and friends and you're really good at kind of merging your, like your social life with the fact that everybody around you has got kids and it's not like a kid event and it's not a mom's night out event. It's something in between and right. there's there's adults having fun doing what they want to do. And there's also kids. And I, I yeah. have appreciated kind of learning that from you. I think and I sometimes to... that means it's quantity over quality, right? Because yeah. You might have a five hour hangout, but like two hours of that is going to be spent people dealing with their kids. Right. And, and somebody's all that stuff. bouncing but, a baby the so, entire time. Exactly. Yeah. But you still are getting out of the house. You're still having fun. You're getting adult conversation. Like, I feel like we found a good way to merge all that. Like you said, and I think it, you it did really too. helped. I think you did too. I want to read what Marianne said in our group. She said the first baby, she spent a lot of her maternity leave, just her and the baby. So she could focus on nursing and naps. And with the second baby, she kind of threw all that to the wind and realized she wanted to use the time off to her advantage. So she got out with friends, took the baby on walks. Yeah. And first of all, I love that. But I can also see for some moms it being exactly the opposite. I think some some new moms have a brand new baby and think, I'm going to stick to my old life. life. I'm going to yep. do my, I'm going to go to my coffee shop. I'm going to go hang out with my friends who don't have babies yet. The baby's coming with me. And I think for some people it works great. Other people, it's a rude awakening, especially if the baby is one of those that, you know, needs to be held all the time or yep. like doesn't sleep in the car seat very well. And that can be hard. And so then sometimes with the second one, you hunker down. So I just think it's, it's fine that it's either way, but I love that Marianne realized like, you know what? I don't need to sit at home for three months. I'm going to get out and do my own thing. Yeah. Um, 
I think I think for me, um, our situation was that we'd only lived in Scottsdale for a few years when we had our first baby, and we really had not locked into a great social group. We had like friends at work, but they were like in all different places at li- in life, and we worked in the same office, my husband and I. So I actually, my social life improved after a few months after I had my first baby because I found a mom's group. The husbands were nice. We started doing things like bunko once a month and play group once a week, and so. On the one hand, I think it was really good. Uh, my social life was really good. However, it was completely baby and mom focused. So I think the good news was it got me out of the house. It got me doing things. But then I think for a long time, I was pretty much in the pattern of social time was with other moms talking about our kids. <laughs> and yeah. that can only last you so long. So then you have to work to break out of that, which I really probably didn't do till we moved here to California yeah. when I had three little kids and was finally ready to you know, just do more. I also think we were better about date nights after our first kid. Like we made a point and then after that we gave up for like eight years and that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, date nights take on a very different connotation the more kids you have. And, yeah. Yeah. And I've, I've talked a lot, um, not so much on here, but like when I blogged, that was a big focus. For yeah. Me. Like a date night can look like a lot of things. And yep. Not to get so caught up in making it look like this fit, fit a mold. I think that's, I think that's good advice in general. Like you have your first baby, you think it's supposed to be a certain way. It isn't. And then you get to make a choice like, okay, this isn't how I thought it was going to be, whatever the category is. So now you have to choose like, am I okay with that? Am I, do I want something to change? Like, but we all have to go through that realization of like, oh, monthly date nights aren't happening for whatever reason. I don't know. Um, do you want to pick a category? We have more than we have time for, oh, um, but we have a right. few more, a few more to choose from. I'm curious well, what you want to talk about. Let's talk about, um, doing things by the book. Yeah. It's a good and one. I, it, that's in quotes. And I'm assuming what you mean by that is like, you know, following parenting advice books yes. to decide how we want to parent. Yeah. And, um, our Patreon member Tessa said for her, the biggest difference, and she's got four. So we, we already commented on, yeah. um, on her four kids has been the knowledge that they're truly their own people. When she had one, she said she thinks she compared her baby to whatever book she was reading, advice she was getting, um, et cetera. But the subsequent children came the growing realization that I might be here to guide them, but they're each on their own path. And she was able to give more grace to herself and them as they learned to navigate things like schedules, sleep training, discipline, milestones, et cetera. Um, I love that. And I think this is going a little bit off topic, but one thing I thought was so amazing like I had Jacob and he was in many ways a very typical first baby. He was a little high strung, very sensitive, very good, like very yeah. easy to take out places, very obedient, yeah. like listened. Wasn't um, that nice when they were listened, obedient? It was great. It was so great. And then I had Isaac and he was like the opposite, like a wild child, just like like adorably naughty, yeah. you know, and and like crazy in different ways. A very He ran like his energy levels was, were always through the roof. And I remember actually being pregnant with number three and thinking like, well, that's it. There's only two kinds of kids. So I wonder which kind this this one's going to be. He's either going to be like Jacob or he's going to be right. like Isaac. And then William was born and he was totally different. Like yeah. he was a totally new kind. And then Owen was born and, and he was totally different. Like they all truly, yeah. you think that there's only certain, you know, number of people, kinds of people in the world. And it turns out there's all kinds of people. Yeah. So I just want to throw that out there. But one thing I did think of when when I read Tessa's comment is I think the last time I read a discipline book was when Isaac was little, and like I, I survived. I yeah, and you said in the outline you said after surviving that nothing else really rattled me. No, really, like after I exhausted my bag of tricks on Isaac, I kind of 
I like, I don't know, internalized the ones I thought worked and nothing else discipline wise. I did really well after that. Like as far as me, I'm not saying my kids were well disciplined. I'm saying I, you was okay. Yeah. You weren't, you weren't rattled. So I think I just came up with this in our last episode. You said you just came up with a theory on the fly. Now it's my turn to do that. So I think after you read all the books in the first, like 18 months, two years of the first kid, you become the book. You are now writing the book of what works for your kids. And it's not that I don't look to expert sources anymore because I'm me and I still like to do that. But um, there is no one book. So it's not like it's not a one and done like you like to say, Megan. Like you you have to respond to the parenting challenges that are put in front of you. And there's no way to anticipate those because like you said, every kid is different. Every situation is different. So I think... um, Things like sleeping and schedules and nap and feeding with the first baby, even the most well-meaning books, it's so hard not to take those and then take them as gospel, right? So like I remember having a lot of fear or anxiousness about breaking from whatever system we were trying, whether that was a nap schedule or a way of weaning or whatever. And I think what I got so much better at with each kid is like, you can have a basic philosophy or like a plan. And it's like the 80, 20 rule. If 80% of the time you're doing bedtime this way in this routine and 20% of the time you're not, the kid's going to be okay. And I think that was, that was the biggest change for me because I am such like a, I do like that kind of structure. So then the downside for me is I adhere to it to like a crazy lady level. And, um, (laughs) I think I'm, I'm not, I mean, I'm still me, but I got way better at being more 80, 20 about it with, with each kid. You probably also, though, in your head, mentally kept track of 80%. Then you got too close. You're like, well. Yeah. <laughs> it's back time to get back on track. No, exactly. I, it's totally, totally. Some things <laughs> never change. Some things never change. Um, uh, but I love that you work within that. I, I want to make one more comment yeah. about, like, this whole going by the book thing. Because I I came up with a theory while you <laughs> were talking about your theory. Are you ready All right. for this? Yeah, I'm ready. Because one of the things we had uh, listed, we, went, we might not get to that, is confidence. Like, mom yes. confidence. Yeah, let's talk about that. But I feel like this totally relates to what you were just saying in that you get to a place where you are the book. And I almost think of it as I didn't start writing the story of who I was as a mom until probably like after I'd had my second for a while and maybe was like after I'd been a mom for several years. It didn't it wasn't about the number of kids. It was about how long I'd been doing it. Yep. And you start to kind of develop that confidence and you have your arsenal of tricks that work and you have the stuff you can pull out of a hat. and. You're the person who can run in and save the day if another mom needs you. You're the person who never forgets to have X, Y, Z in your purse, whatever it is, right? And yep. like the more that happens, like it's like little teeny practice rounds or like yep. little ma- muscle flexes yep. and you grow that confidence. And at the same time, you start telling the story to yourself about mm-hmm. the kind of mom you are. And I yeah. think it took me three or four years to figure out what kind of mom I was. Yeah. And that's hard. Like it's kind yeah. of hard to not know yeah. um, or to not see it. Yes. And then once you know, it's like, oh, so that's what I am. Okay, cool. Now I can really like be the best version of that yes. person possible. I, lo- I love that. That That is so wise. And it does take a long time, as you say. And I think maybe what this podcast can do for brand newer moms is like just encourage you to embrace that the feeling of not being sure what kind of mom you are, yeah. what you want to do next. And it's not like we don't go through that, Megan. We do. Yeah, like we do. We just, it's just at later 
phases. Well, and the kind of teenage mom I am is very different in some ways than the kind of yeah. baby and infant and preschool mom I was. And so I'm, it, I'm it guessing evolved. you didn't know what kind of teenage mom you were going to be for the first, like you had to no, go through no that idea. again. <laughs> right. I had to start all over. Yeah. Yay. Yay. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. Let's just do one real quick one because it's totally fluffy and that is birthdays. Do you have any memories of like the first birthday versus the next first birthday? I actually have an I, essay called The Last First Birthday yeah. that I wrote one time. Uh, I think I've been basically the same about birthdays with all five kids. Oh, nice. I've always been pretty relaxed, but I've always tried to make them special. But like they've always been more focused on family, like immediate family and maybe close family that lives nearby yeah. and less focused on a big party. Like I never really went through that. Like, oh, I did it this crazy way. And then I decided I had to scale back. It's been pretty scaled back from us from the start, which has been convenient. Yeah, I would say the same. Like we didn't I see some of the birthday parties now and I'm like oh my gosh this is like worthy of a reality show we we right. were always pretty low-key I will say things like I did make I had made some invitations in the early days for my oldest um did things like made party favors even when it was just like play group or family and friends so I definitely did more and then got way more like grocery store cupcakes in the very cliche way as things as things went on I will say that for a first bait I always think that the first babies wait, how am I gonna say this so it makes sense the birthdays of the first kid as they grow up so for you yeah. Jacob for me Allegra always feel a little bit more about mom because it's your anniversary of motherhood and that I don't think ever goes away like every year that my oldest turns a new birthday I think of it in a different way than I do my other two kids birthdays if that makes sense because to me yeah. it's also my anniversary of becoming a mom and I think that's kind of a fun way to think about it and it's just different because the other kids are not they you know, for better or for worse, they yeah. don't get that designation. They didn't make you a mom. The first one did. Right. So that's true. Yeah. I always kind of keep that in mind. Okay. Before we wrap, Megan, we're going to queue it up. And for those who are new, um, what we do is we pick an episode from the archives because now we now have over 200 episodes and we know sometimes it's overwhelming. If you find our show and you like our show, we want you to go back and listen, but it's hard to know what to pick. So at the end of every Tuesday episode, we pick something from the archives. And the idea is that you just right now in your podcast app, you scroll back and find it and listen to what we chose for you. So what'd you yeah. pick, Megan? So while we were talking or while I was preparing, you know, what I was going to say today, I re was reminded of the episode we did about postpartum surprises yes. and what we wish we'd known. There was episode 88. Um, it was back in uh, 2017. I think late in the year in 2017. You're always better remembering okay. that. Um, but it was one where we just talked about like, how no one tells you about certain unpleasant postpartum. Symptoms. Yeah, we got really specific. Yes. It's don't, you know, don't listen with like a new boyfriend in the room or something. <laughs> Do you remember we had a new sound editor the first time <gasps> oh that my we, gosh, it yes. was. And so we were talking it was about my co-host Johnny yeah. from the radio station. And, and he, I, he and I were just getting to know each other. So it must have been pretty early. Well, it was know. February it was, 2017. I just looked it okay. up. So it's early so we 2017. Like, yeah. So we'd only been working together for a few months and um, he had to listen to this whole episode and he doesn't have kids or anything. Yeah. So it's just, there's there's discussions of bleeding and various fluids and yeah it was it was <laughs> yeah. lovely no that's a really Enjoy. really really good episode um to choose and i think some of this some of this relates because we're talking about all this adjustment stuff so good choice yeah. um okay guys everything we talked about including past episodes is at themomhour.com i will also link up how to join our patreon community we would love to see you there. we'd love to see you there thanks really to fun. all of our patrons who chimed in on this topic we didn't get to all the comments but we had so much fun discussing it with you in the facebook group and would love to see a few more of you there so we will be back soon thanks megan bye